Hey, 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 beautiful humans. It's the Juice Queen here, delivering all those ooey-gooey, drippy topics that will leave you simply drenched in curiosity and connection. So let's vibe over, you know, the juice, shall we? My name is Mila Mandolfo, and my sole mission is to make you feel seen, heard, valued, and validated in such a way that you remember who you truly are. And in that, you're never alone. This is a soft, safe, and sassy place where all of you is welcomed. So come on, let's dive in. Hola, mis amores. Coming in hot, or actually coming in a bit chilly, on a early Colombian morning. Welcome back. I have been stirring up this communication podcast for a very long time, and I realized as I continued to take notes and gather anecdotes and jotting down things that I found absolutely essential that there was just so much ground to cover and I was going to need to break this down into a series that is more digestible and kind of bite-sized and so that's what I'm going to do. I've been pushing it off and finally I was like no we're going to just do this. Um, we're going to throw perfectionism out the window, uh, something that I seem to be attached to from time to time, and just dive in. Just dive right in. And this first episode is going to cover more of the fundamentals. Um, communication is literally one of the most vital tools we have to being literally heard in the world right it's one of the five senses senses so it's 20 percent of the way in which we can perceive the world and thus interact with the world with our voice right and so cultivating healthy communication habits and styles and practices allows us to show up more authentically and with integrity in the world. And it also simultaneously allows others to engage and perceive us through that lens as well, which in turn has a ripple effect in which they can not only show up for you, but then perhaps in turn mm, pick up these habits as well. And it becomes this ripple effect of, hey, I like the way that felt when she said that. I might pull that in and incorporate it into the way that I want to show up and speak to the world, right? Anywho. Let's go. Let's do this. Communication is such a broad yet obviously essential topic to the extent that I feel personally that it should be taught right away like literally right away I was gonna say elementary school but honestly we could begin in preschool and there are schools now if you've heard of Montessori schools or Waldorf teachings that do this and gentle parenting as well 
gosh, I follow some incredible gentle parents, um, if you will, on TikTok that literally speak to my inner child and just bring me to tears and bring me to joy. I'm going to have to like remember to put some of these accounts into the show notes. It's just because that's the thing that people don't realize is the way we communicate now is all due to the way we were spoken to as children. All of it. And learning appropriate and healthy and effective communication styles is us working with our inner child. It's us reparenting ourselves to be heard the way that we deserved and maybe didn't get heard as children. So, and I'm also studying uh, American Sign Language right now, and I'm just thinking, like, stuff like that. We could be communicating with babies, and there are families that teach, you know, their their infants, their young babies, uh, baby sign language, which is just, the, you know, the bare minimum basics. Um, but they learn it. These children, these babies are signing. So there's just so much more we could be doing as a society, as a species, to engage with each other um, earlier on and give each other these basic tools, basic tools to be seen, to be heard, to communicate effectively. I mean, now what's coming up for me is... Have you ever seen those videos of, because I've never seen them in person yet, but those little step buttons for dogs and cats, uh, it starts out in a package of like, because yes, I did look it up, <laughs> starts out in a package of like four or five little step buttons. So they're like these buttons that are programmed. You can program the, program them to say uh, different commands for your animals and then you will say the command with your voice so you might say like outside click the button it says outside and then you open the door and you let your dog outside after a while like pavlov the experiment um, the dog becomes aware that if they press the outside button you will open the door and then there's all these other commands and then over time you can buy more buttons and add more phrases. And I've seen videos of like 30 buttons taking up half the living room. <laughs> and these dogs and cats are interacting. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because there are some hilarious ones. Because eventually these animals are like literally communicating. Even better than babies. <laughs> Baby sign language. Um, their needs too. Their um our caregivers and so if we can just look at it like that these animals are communicating their needs right that's what they find important in this step button experience we could see it from that lens when we speak are we communicating our needs and that's i think that's one of the biggest um 
pieces I want to cover in this particular episode is talking about our needs, boundaries, and desires, three things that I often link together when I'm speaking on them because they go hand in hand in, you know, in my lens for me, which is all humans have basics, basic needs, boundaries, and desires, whether they see it that way or phrase it that way. We all have them, okay? So, like, if I were to break that down with you right now, we all have, obviously, a desire is just something that we want, um, and a need is something that it's essential, right? It's not just a desire um, or a craving. It's something essential, And then a boundary is something that can assist those two things. It can help others and ourselves meet those needs and desires. So, there are so many layers to becoming a badass communicator and yet They all start with these super simple principles that once learned, applied, and practiced, I promise, they will become eventually second nature. They'll become a part of who you are, a part of your personality, a part of your voice. You won't have to think about it. For a while there, you will have to think about it, and it will be a little weird because it's unfreaking familiar. Before we begin, I also want to just take a look at our, speaking from the American lens, our cultural history for a second, but also, you know, beyond America as well to their own, um, you know, cultural degree. But I want to pull on the American cultural history for a second because when I look at the emotional neglect Um, and thus, like, expressively inept characteristics within my own family dynamics. First of all, I used to feel, like, kind of some resent there because I'm like, well, I can't help but reflect on, well, shit, if I had parents who were communicating with me on the level of the Montessori or the Waldorf, the gentle parenting, just general awareness, um and general communication skills, I wouldn't have lost so much of my life acting like a total fool, um, to be honest. There was a good chunk of time I didn't know how to appropriately express my needs, boundaries, and desires, and I often found myself in sticky situations where I was either hurting my loved ones with the choice of my words or the choice of my delivery, um, Or I was getting myself into trouble when addressing authority, for example, (laughs) because I just didn't have any (laughs) tools in my toolbox, okay? And when I reflect on why that might be the case, I clearly see that displayed me through my caregiver's one of my parents was a very like uh, introverted shut down kind of vibe and didn't really express themselves 
much at all. Um, and then the other one who I never was around, except for like 10% of the year, if that, was super erratic and uh, kind of aggressive in nature and combative and I want to bring in an example here um I one of my comfort shows is Mad Men it's based off of Madison Avenue and in the 60s which is was the like origination hub of advertisement in New York City and so bear with me if you haven't watched Mad Men. I'm going to try to explain just a little, a little like spotlight there. I probably watched that show all the way through like three times. And I, I love it for the cinematic value. I love the costume design. I love like the integrity to the era. I love the character development. But something fascinating for me about Mad Men is that it highlights a period of time that I don't have access to due to my age. But what's really fascinating for me is the era that it does highlight is the uh, generation of my grandparents and my parents. So the main character in the show, Don Draper, his generation, so the main character's generation, what we're viewing, right, what we're watching on this show for multiple seasons is my grandparents' generation. And Don Draper's children in the show, who are obviously young kids, and then throughout the seasons they grow, are my mom and dad's generation. And because of this, and because of just, like I said, the integrity to the era, so they just really pull in sexism, racism, just all sorts of sociopolitical current events, um, just doing a brilliant job at displaying, you know, like going to the doctors back then, like you're literally in the doctor's office and they're smoking cigarettes while they're telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing. Like that's real shit. Or how drinking in the office, like at work was totally the norm. Um, how, like just so many cool, I mean, it's not exactly cool <laughs> to modern standards, but it's cool to see, right? They do a brilliant job at displaying an era that I otherwise wouldn't really have access to, even though like conceptually I understand seeing it in a cinematic way is just fascinating for me. And so when I'm watching Don um, and his, I was gonna say wife, but his, he's definitely a um, ladies man, if you will, and there's all sorts of experiences that occur, I get to see the impact it has on his wife. I get to see the impact it has on his children. And I get to see how the conflict between him and his wife and him and his coworkers and so on, and even his internal conflicts, impact the children, right? And then throughout the series, how the children act out or shut down in relation to the conflicts that arise. When I see this show like this, I have so much compassion for my parents, my real life parents, because I can see why 
And to, this is to say that I do see similar qualities in my own grandparents as I do in, you know, Don Draper and those that generation. So I'm like, oh, no wonder why my dad never had an outlet to not even he never had an outlet. And so thus he never um, was given the skills to express himself um, outside of, you know, if, if, if I were to ask you what was the, what is like the number one emotion that men typically have access to, it wouldn't probably be um, like sensitivity and sadness and it probably wouldn't be like elated joy and, you know, woo, positive, <clears throat> whatever. Men typically express anger as an emotion like the most readily because societally and globally men are men are hushed men are hushed from expressing emotion um like phrases like real men don't cry don't be a pussy um suck it up be a man so the only you know emotion that men are pretty much given permission to express is anger and thus, the fucking effect of that, look around, is toxic masculinity, right? And there's, you know, there's emotional, physical, mental abuse still happening worldwide due to the suppression of emotion that men have been forced into. <clears throat> Simultaneously, you know, that generation also is telling women... It's impolite to express yourself. Don't speak up. Um, go with the flow. Don't be uh, a nuisance, right? There's a lot of there was a lot of suppression going on, and when I look at it through that lens, I'm like, okay, word. It makes sense that my parents didn't get heard or given examples of how to show up in the world with their voice in a healthy way, and no wonder why they weren't able to communicate with me in a healthy way that I deserved. And so, even though I have understanding, it's now, especially with my personal awareness, because of something else that I noticed, is there's like, there was a culture of like, permission to not be um, aware of this stuff. For a long time, like it wasn't, I mean, of course there's like psychologists and of course there's people interested in observing that stuff, but it wasn't like the norm. Whereas fast forward to now, there's been this huge like avalanche of mental health awareness and communication awareness and people stepping into their power. And so... As young people who are aware or becoming aware of the impact that our parents or our families, our caregivers, um, our communities may have had on us, and we can see our own patterning and we can observe, oh, wow, whenever I feel, um, you know, dysregulated in my nervous system, I tend to lash out and I get loud and I, maybe you... Maybe you are like someone who resorts to insults or 
maybe you're someone who shuts down and become totally mute. You freeze. Um, you disappear. You become unreachable. You know, do not disturb mode, silent treatment, stuff like that. We all have our different um, ways that we act out. And when I say act out, I mean act out of character. That's what I mean by that. There is our regulated character, the one that when we're feeling safe in our regulatory system, and that's just who we are, right? We're just vibing. But when we feel threatened in some way, um, our nervous system goes into fight, flight, fawn, or freeze mode. And what that is, because, you know, fight or flight always gets all the spotlight, but there's two other responses that have been added over the years one is freeze which is kind of self-explanatory you freeze you don't know what to do you shut down right you probably don't say much and you might dip out that's a trauma response all of these are trauma responses fawning is one that is similar to freeze in my lens which is i mean it's <laughs> freeze flight fawning those are all more of a kind of passive uh reaction and then fight right fighting back sticking up for yourself like having something to say uh defending yourself that is more of like a active response right so anywho fawning would be so what's a fawn a fawn is a baby deer Fawning means, so if you think of a baby deer, you become, you become like doe-eyed, right? And you're just like, sure, like whatever you say, like no problem. Okay, we'll do that. Like avoiding conflict to the max by just, just, even if you're perpetrator, you don't want to do anything that they're saying. You're just like, no, we're going to do what they're saying because at this point I can, like my literal nervous system is so at a high, like at a peak, that literally anything this person wants is what we're going to do because I literally, my body cannot hang. And I, can't, I say my body because it becomes like a physical sensation. Think about all the times that you've been uncomfortable or like say, say someone's attacking you and you are sinking into one of these horror reactions. <clears throat> when you feel like you need to defend yourself and fight back, your body doesn't feel relaxed, right? Your body feels tense. Your body feels, you know, like on edge right and you're like well do 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 okay or if you're frozen you feel shut down you feel constricted you feel like a smaller version of yourself similarly uh with you know with flight you might feel so, so shut down and small that you need to run away because the literal uh electromagnetic waves coming off of the person the attacker is so fucking overwhelming for you that you need to exit the room you need to exit the situation you need to exit the chat whatever it is you need to get away right and then with fawning and again another physical sensation is happening in the body where you're feeling so physically overwhelmed and mentally and emotionally they all go hand in hand that you're just like whatever you want right whatever whatever you can say to make them soften and feel validated and calmed down is what you're going to say because you need it is a self-preservation tactic for you to feel safe again totally valid by the way these are tactics we learn 
um, through, again, self-preservation and safety in our homes. A lot of, a lot of this episode is going to touch on childhood, which almost seems like, well, Noelle, why, why are we speaking on childhood when this is a communication series? And uh, you're going to find out for sure. You're about to find out because like I said in the beginning, so much of the way that we show up in the world today is due to our especially early childhood upbringing, but upbringing as a whole, but especially early childhood and just want to throw this out there from age one to seven it is our um mirroring stage so this is how uh during that uh age range one through seven we are learning through mirroring and mimicking our surroundings and our caregivers so anything that we experience during those ages we literally embed into who we are on a subconscious level um, and adopt those qualities and adopt those um, characteristics that we are being shown and it's we're like a sponge we're literally like a sponge until age seven obviously and beyond but scientifically that's the era of uh, that's the the learning stage where we are the most sponge-like and mirroring and mimicking and so that's why um, we embed these qualities all the way up into adulthood and so if we're not giving giving our awareness um, to observing these reoccurring patterns because typically if you're you know if you're a fighter or a flighter or whatever if you're offering some observation to who to how you show up in conflict and just how you show up in the world you're most likely going to be able to pick up on your own reoccurring you know methods and uh patterning here once we become aware of that patterning is when we can do the work right Because then we are consciously choosing, we're consciously choosing to uh, respond, right, versus react. So when we are on autopilot and we're not operating from a, um, like, observational standpoint, we are just reacting. That is human nature, you know. Someone comes at you, someone starts attacking you with either their, you know, their words or their body or whatever, you're going to have a freaking reaction and it's going to be probably stemming from one of those four things we just named fight flight fawn freeze you're going to react but the more we slow down the more we observe um our patterning but also our emotional responses in the body our mental responses and so on we have we have basically training our our mind and our body to slow down okay we are becoming more observant and then once once uh, once it has slowed down a bit we now can create choices in the pause so we feel all this tension arising in the body and we're like what the fuck this feels so uncomfortable why is this person yelling at me this is our thoughts right what is going on what did I do like I, this is whoa this is overwhelming right so that's our thought process 
and we're feeling like wow i really feel tense in my chest and i'm feeling like really now i feel hot i think i'm sweating like what the fuck is going on so you're observing the sensations in your body and you're like wow i feel overwhelmed right so you can name it you can name it now and because you're able to name it you might have some spaciousness in your mind to not involuntarily react but voluntarily choose an appropriate reaction because we've slowed down enough we've paused enough to choose how we want to show up in that conversation or interaction that we're having now becoming aware of the impact our childhood has had on us meaning the environment and also the connection or lack there of connection with our primary caregivers is a study called the attachment theory and so john bowlby um you know curated founded this study and theory called the attachment theory and it's about how we formed attachment to our primary caregivers in childhood so we could either be anxiously attached to them where we were constantly seeking validation and attention from them because we never felt heard or seen so common Um, And then there is the avoidant attachment style, which was, you know, mirrored and showed to us by our parents never being around or giving us affection or attention. And so then we uh, adopted that quality of, you know, um, keeping people at arm's length because we were never showed otherwise. And so whenever we start to feel intimacy, we shut down and we push them away and we become dismissive avoidant. There is a combination of the two, which is, has a couple different names, one one of them being chaotic. And that's typically because we had caregivers who were chaotic in the way that they showed up. Um, They would maybe sometimes smother us with love and then disappear for weeks, if not months or years. And this was very confusing to us in our nervous system. And so now we operate from there. I kind of resonate with this personally. Um, it's confusing when you have two parents who are not in the same household and one acts a certain way and walks one acts another way. And that's kind of what I feel happened with me personally. Finally, uh, the fourth one is a secure attachment style, which means that you typically grew up in a family where your needs were getting met and you had both or at least one parent who was totally available to um, show up for you and hear you and see you and hold you um, and meet your needs and because of that you adopted really healthy qualities on communication and otherwise right and so again there's the um, anxious attachment style the avoidant chaotic and the secure definitely want to dive into this more but i just wanted to touch on it briefly in this episode because it to me is absolutely vital in figuring out how we currently communicate and then also what we can do to um and not not just communicate but also first of all how we don't communicate is a big one oftentimes and also 
um, just the way we show up in our body and like with our mannerisms and our characteristics just in general. It doesn't necessarily have to be words, um, but it is a big one. And so becoming familiar with the attachment style is so huge. Um, perhaps I can give you an action step here to there's tons of little quizzes online to figure out which of those that you most likely show up in. So <clears throat> I would love for you to perhaps check that out before the next episode. Okay. And another book that I'm absolutely just in love with about the attachment theory is called the attachment theory workbook. And it is exactly that. And you can buy it on Amazon. I think I got it for like 15 bucks. And wow, that such a great resource. I'm going to leave more information about these resources in the show notes. <clears throat> and so moving forward from there, um, speaking and expressing our speaking and, ex and expressing ourselves from a place of mm, peace and harmony and non-harming is also a theory um it's actually more so a practice and it's called nonviolent communication also known as nvc it's often abbreviated to mvc and i might toggle between the two because it is a mouthful but nonviolent communication is a practice in which we are actively expressing ourselves with a little within a framework there's like a template even and the template, it sounds silly, but like the template helps us to unprogram and reprogram the ways in which we um, communicate. <laughs> and often without knowing it, a lot of us are communicating in a harmful way. Um, and, you know, violent, a lot of people hear the word violent and they're like, okay, well, I didn't hurt, like, I didn't physically hit anyone, what the fuck, and that's obviously not what I'm saying here, non-violent, and so non-violence and non-harm in, you know, the Vedic term is ahimsa, so when you're, when you're in a yoga teacher training, um, one of the first things you learn about is the yamas and the niyamas, which is a part of non-physical yoga, that is like a precursor to the asana, which is the physical postures. And within that, one of them is learning to be non-harming in, in our speech and in our actions as much as we can. It just is something that I feel like in American culture, we don't often talk about or think about or no one's talking about it at the very least, right? But this, this non-harm, this non-violence it doesn't have to be physical it oftentimes it's emotional mental um and verbal so i just wanted to touch on the name so non-violent communication is just one of the most important tools you'll have access to when intentionally reframing the way you show up with your voice in the world Again, every single day you open your mouth and words come out. 
whether intentionally or not. I mean, I'm over here talking to myself even in an empty room sometimes. And if we are speak like spending so much of our waking life using our words, just imagine how different we would not only be perceived but interact and have a different experience in the world if we were using those words with intention. So here is a practice. NVC, nonviolent communication, is a practice of becoming more intentional with the way that we use our words. And so the framework, it feels a little silly. It feels a little, like, <laughs> weird. And th that's because it's unfamiliar to us. And the framework is basically... Um, in the most basic terms, it is expressing your th yourself through facts and feelings. Um, so let's say you had dinner plans with your partner and they, like it was, it was agreed upon, right? They were going to come over at six for dinner after work. First of all, they don't show up. They don't show up. It's 6.05 or 6.10 now. <clears throat> and like the, the time's, you know, coming, continues coming on. And the, the what sucks is you're not getting a text and they're not picking up the phone. And you have no idea what's going on. When they show up at 6.45 or even 7, when they walk in the door, you are pissed you are like, what the fuck, dude? Like, clearly uh, you don't give a shit about me. I've slayed away at this dinner. Now it's fucking cold. Like, how dare you? You're an asshole. Okay. Let's just use that as an example. What's happening there? The person is angry. They're popping off. They're calling, they're name calling and they're making assumptions like, oh, you don't care about me. You're an asshole. How dare you? Lottie da right make making assumptions projections and all that jazz mvc and by the way the person's hella valid in having a reaction to that that is that's upsetting you know like your food is cold and like i'm sure you do feel disregarded and unimportant and dismissed like totally valid but here's another way to reframe it from the mvc lens Oh my god. Hey, there you are. Wow. I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. I'm, I'm going to be honest, you know, when you when we you know, decide on a time for dinner and then you show up 45 minutes later without calling or texting me. I honestly I feel kind of afraid. Like I feel concerned. Like I was literally worried. Like I didn't know if you what had happened to you um it's really unlike you and i felt a lot of like anxiety coming up for me and even like feelings of dismissal and disregard and gosh i kind of fell into a hole over here like of concern and like feeling small let's just pause there i could honestly say more but i just wanted to give a quick example and so let's let's compare the two um in the second example and that, just to clarify, was not the exact framework of MVC. We're going to go dive into both MVC and the attachment theory in another episode because they are big topics. 
but I did want to touch on them because, like I said, they are both super vital in becoming a badass communicator. All right, so in that first example I gave, um, person A is, you know, saying, you don't respect me, like, you're a jerk, like, all sorts of things. They're, but what they are doing is reacting, right, versus responding. And the second example through the framework of nonviolent communication, person A is naming a fact. So again, MVC is based off facts and feelings. So instead of saying, you clearly don't give a shit about me, which is not a fact, and it's probably not true at all, actually, the person says a fact, which is, hey, when we agreed upon 6 p.m. and you come at like 7, so let's just pause there. That is a fact, right? There was an agreeance, and there was someone showing up late. That can't be disputed. That is a fact. Then it's followed up by a feeling. When blank happens, I feel blank. And just another pause here is the difference between example A and B is that in example A, you're saying, you did this, you this and that, right? It's a blame game. In example B, you're saying, when something happened I feel this way completely different we're removing the blame we're removing the shame we're taking responsibility for our emotional and you know landscape and we're just sharing it out loud with someone so they can be a part of our emotional landscape and together we can actually connect on how the impact is affecting us so let's go back to example b fact when you you know come when when you're showing up an hour later than we um, agreed upon I feel concern I feel frazzled I feel anxious um, I even feel small and disregarded okay pause we're pausing again yeah so that's just offering them genuine insight into what you are experiencing versus a lot of insults and shame and blame, which isn't going to get anyone everywhere. Or I mean, sorry, <laughs> it's not going to get anyone anywhere because it is uh, an attack. Like we were talking about earlier, what happens when we're feeling attacked? <laughs> we act out of our dysregulated um, nervous system and probably are going to pull from whatever you know, childhood toolbox we cultivated, which is going to be looking like either fight, flight, fawn, or freeze, right? And so maybe the person in that, like, say we address the, per, uh, the person with example A, you know, the attacking one, maybe the person walking in the door, let's say, let's just make this up. Let's say that person, their phone died. And because their phone died, they didn't know like the address and they didn't know how to get there. And they were trying so freaking hard. They were like driving to all these gas stations, old school style being like, yo, do you know how to get to this place? I know it's near that one gas station over there on this hill, but like I'm so lost and they're trying their best to get there, but they literally cannot. Um, so, something like that, okay? Let's just run with us for, with me here. Now, um, so th so they're all stressed out. They cannot believe that they made it, like that they even found the spot, and they're overwhelmed, and they already feel bad, and then as soon as they walk in the door, you're attacking them, okay? 
And so if they're going to pull from one of those four responses, fight, flight, fawn, freeze, let's just quickly go over that. If it's an, if they're a fighter, they're going to be like, and you're calling them an asshole, they're going to be like, bro, what the fuck? Like, you have no idea what I just went through. And there's going to be an argument. If they're a, fl- a fleer, they might just be like so upset that they just like walk back out the door, right? Like, they're just like, oh my God, I cannot do this right now. They're like so overwhelmed. Maybe they're a freezer and they just stand in the doorway and just start crying or like, and now the other person's attacking them and they just become super small, right? And they just, it just becomes this like aggressor and like victim energy. Or if they're a fawner, maybe they, you know, even though they all this, they went through all these leaps and bounds to get there and all they want to do is hug and kiss their lover and like sit down and have this meal and make it up to them. Um, they're being attacked and their response is like no you're right like I am a piece of shit and like I'm so sorry like I um uh whatever okay like in that (laughs) I'm not very good at fawning (laughs) I'm not really good at fawning to be honest guys it's not me but um because I paused and giggled because of course you should apologize no matter what the intent was an apology sound like that's great (laughs) but I don't know really what a fawner would say but it would be along the lines of yeah whatever whatever you say is correct and like I'm gonna go with literally anything you say because I'm so overwhelmed that you know even if they had like an appropriate um like I was gonna say excuse but uh, it's not even necessarily excuse but if they even if they have you know something to share that is valid they probably would just scrap the whole thing and just fawn you know yes sure exactly whatever you want whatever you say you know um all right let's move forward from here both of these systems are absolutely vital again in becoming a badass communicator um, and also in, in just simply self-discovery. So learning, again, your attachment style. I'm going to pop that quiz in the show notes. And also becoming fili- familiar with nonviolent communication is just going to change you as a person. And, you know, for the better. Um, not to say that you're not already perfect the way that you are. You know, we are n- none of us are, are problems that need to be fixed, if you will. Um, but if you're interested in self-improvement, this will change your life for the better. <clears throat> okay, so in addition to, and honestly, oftentimes as a result from our attachment style, we, and I kind of touched on this earlier, but let's go, let's dive in more. This is what I really want to talk about today. We also lean into communicating in one of the following manners, just generally. Passive, passive-aggressive, aggressive, or assertive. And again, we find ourselves here by mirroring the dynamics within our early home lives and mirroring our caregivers from childhood. I want to highlight that even if you 
like say you take the quiz for the attachment styles or say we start talking about these four um, communication styles and you're like, oh, that is me, damn, whatever, and you don't love what you see. Um, I just want to pause and say, no matter where you're at right now, I promise you that with a little attention and intention and a willingness to hold yourself there and hold yourself accountable and make a conscious commitment to break out of those habits, you absolutely can and will um, adopt healthier habits and thus communicating or communication styles um, just with loving awareness. I promise you it's probably going to be a challenge, um, at least at first, but it's absolutely going to be worth it. In fact, I do remember the first time I <laughs> attempted uh, nonviolent communication. It was right after reading this book called What We Say Matters. Super small digestible book on um, NBC. I was in not even necessarily conflict, but something someone in my life did impacted me and in, in like an uncomfortable way. And I wanted to share that impact with them and... I had just, or I was in the process of reading that book, and I was like, damn, maybe I should try this out. And I asked them, so I named that I was feeling uncomfortable, because, again, a really cool communication um, technique is to just name where you're at, um, because that vulnerability kind of opens the door sometimes, because let's, let's say, for an example, like, we're really scared to tell someone something and instead of telling them we're just so afraid that we never do and then that later on like gets us in a pickle a way to address that is to literally just whether it's via text or in person or on a call just be like hey oof, I I'm gonna be honest I'm feeling like really nervous or like I'm even scared to like share this with you but I feel like I I really want to and most of the time if not all the time that person, by you naming that, is going to be open and perhaps even softer to hearing whatever you have to say next. Um, but anywho, so I was in, you know, I was in not necessarily conflict with this person, but something arose and I ended up just contacting them and saying, all right, I want to share something with you. I'm actually learning about something called nonviolent communication and I'm feeling a little weird about it but I was wondering if you'd be willing to like let me practice with you and I could tell that he was kind of like okay like definitely probably thought it was he wasn't like 100% on board let's just put it that way but he was enough on board for me to feel safe enough to try it out and I was like super, you know, shy and awkward and, and, but I did the thing. Okay. I shared the thing and I did it in the format. And what was cool is that he let me talk without judgment or interruption. And honestly, that alone um, helped me build my confidence in trying it out again later. Right. Because if this person would have totally shut me down um, and shut me up, I probably would have learned uh you know how to learned experience that people aren't available to this you know method of communication luckily that wasn't the case the repair went pretty chill um and what was most important is i got my perspective heard and held 
and you know due to the delivery of the MVC approach it allowed us to have a very relaxed and transparent conversation about it all even though it was a little freaking awkward and that's the thing these formulas although not exactly fail proof in getting the outcome you desire all the time and boy I have examples there that we'll dive into again at, an, at a later time um, but at the very least, it does allow you to process. So before you're doing the MVC, right, you have to process what came up for you with yourself. In order to like fill out the little format, you have to process and become familiar with, oh, how did that make me feel, right? So you could just speak to your own experience, again, your own needs, boundaries, and desires, and then you get to do it out loud and you get to be heard. And again, that is just something we never really learned or had shown to us or was, you know, wasn't mirrored to us mostly, you know, I'm, I don't know how your family was. Maybe you had a really secure family life. Um, but most of us didn't really have good examples being mirrored back to us of how to do things like this. And thus, we don't have that much practice with it. And so it feels really fucking good to get clearer on your internal experience and your emotional landscape and then be able to objectively share that without like a lot of emotional charge um not to say that you won't have you know emotions there you definitely probably will but it'll be more processed and um anywho then the people around you will have you know more access to understanding you they might even be inspired to give it go themselves you never know uh, so when we show up in this nonviolent communication, we are leading by example in that way. And it's a huge leap towards self-love, self-accountability, self-regulation, and self-expression for ourselves and, again, for the people around us. And there's that ripple effect. All right. Now let's circle back around to those four basic communication styles, the passive passive-aggressive, aggressive, and assertive. I want to hone in on what each of those four look like, give some examples, and then we'll wrap it up here for today. If you or someone you know is a passive communicator, this is what they might embody. They might avoid expressing their feelings and their needs and their boundaries. They probably have lack of eye contact or a poor posture. They probably avoid confrontation at all costs. You may have a pattern of self-abandonment, people-pleasing. They might be a fawner, right? They could be a freezer or a fleer. Um, they probably don't honor what they actually want and go do whatever someone else suggests they're like quote going with the flow when really it's just a form of self-abandonment um passive aggressive moving forward passive aggressive so you probably or whomever is using sarcasm to express discomfort and anger and anger um maybe they're using backhanded comments Maybe they're using LOLs at the end of texts that literally aren't funny at all, right? Like they're just being passive aggressive. 
Um, they are using these types of LOLs and backhanded comments to express their upset versus just being direct because being direct feels overwhelming. Um, they probably feel some type of resentment and maybe they have an urge, an urge to like subtly sabotage or retaliate or get even. Um, on to the next aggressive communication style. So this is looks like a demand, a demanding energy without understanding, meaning that they take things super personally and also simulta simultaneously have no compassion for the other person's reasoning or experience. There might be in, intense eye contact, loud voice, um, intimidating, posturing, blaming, criticizing, shaming, belittling, stuff like this. Lastly, we have assertive communication. Um, now, I feel like people often like maybe they link up assertive and aggressive as like a similar <clears throat> verbiage and they don't exactly know the difference but there is a difference between aggression and just being like direct and so assertive is more just direct okay just to like create um uh clarity there so assertive communication style is probably looking like they openly express their opinions their needs their boundaries their desires without shame they have a relaxed body posture. They feel grounded. They have a clear and calm tone. They uh, strongly advocate for their own needs, boundaries, and desires, but also have access to doing so for others. And the expression is direct, but not aggressive. Now I want to give an example. Um, so let's say you have had a really tumultuous week, like You've had like a long work week, but there's also been interpersonal drama and you just have had, there's just been a lot going on in your week and it's Friday and you're getting off in a few hours and you literally just cannot wait to go home and decompress and eat some delicious food and like watch your favorite show, something like that. Okay. This is literally all you're thinking about all day at work on Friday. All of a sudden, you get a message from a dear friend that you adore asking you to last minute pick them up from the airport after work. And they really need this favor. So there's like a sense of urgency and there's a sense of maybe just you want to help this person like you like them you love them in a perfect world you would absolutely be the one to pick them up right so let's dive into how but sorry but given the circumstances of your week gosh you really just don't want to okay <laughs> let's go back to um, each of these communicators communicator styles and like use an example of what they might say okay so a passive person might say okay sure i can get you from the airport no problem at all right 
in reality, they, there is a problem. The problem is they're tired, they're overworked, they don't want to go. That's the problem. But what they're saying out loud is no problem at all. I'm going to do it, right? Totally disregarding their needs and desires in exchange for someone else's needs and desires, right? And you're trying to make them happy and more importantly, not upset with you. So that's that's something that passive people, um, that's often where they're operating from is I don't want to make other people upset, right? Which is also like a fawning quality, right? So you can start to see the similarities between fight, flight, fawn, and freeze within the passive, passive, aggressive, aggressive, and assertive, right? You can see how this overlaps. You can also see how this overlaps with uh, um, shoot, uh, the, uh, the attachment styles as well. You'll start to see how this all overlaps. And so that's why I'm bringing this all forward in this foundational uh, first episode here. Okay, let's jump into how a passive aggressive person might respond to this example. They might say, sure, I guess I can get you from the airport, LOL, even though I'm exhausted as fuck, but whatever. So in that example, they're agreeing to do the thing, but not without like a little guilt trip sprinkled on top, right? And they want to say, and they're kind of saying that they don't want to do it, but instead they're saying they will and like in this like slightly low-key aggressive way but it's confusing because they're still saying they will and like maybe in that example the person's like oh no worries like it's all good but you like this this passive aggressive person might still insist because there's like this level of like kind of shame inside of like still wanting to meet the need of their loved one right so like no no it's fine i'll do it right so they'll 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 still agree but and that's like the passive part but there's not without this like little shame piece okay now let's jump into how an aggressive communicator would handle this i think it's kind of obvious they might be like nah i'm fucking good off that you obviously could care less about me and my week that's honestly selfish as fuck so in that example they're putting the other person down. They're attacking the request. They're shaming them for the request versus just expressing where they're genuinely at, which is tired and unavailable and like that they that's they can't do it. Why with all this aggression? Why with all this shame and like belittlement, right? Lastly, an assertive communicator would handle it like this. I wish I could be the one to, to welcome you back tonight, but I honestly am so pooped and I'm not in a place to take anything on tonight. In this example, you are validating their need for a ride, right? You're even sharing that you truly do wish it was you because you fucking love this person. You wish you could, but you're honoring your own needs for rest in a clear and compassionate way. So do you feel the difference within each of those four examples? I feel like, uh, you know, you, you might be able to, um, maybe you resonated with one of those styles more than the other. And actually, you know, a month, 
month or two ago, I don't really remember when, I did a poll about communication styles. I was like posting little info packs on what each style was like. And then I did a poll at the end of that asking, which do you think to, to you know, to the to the listeners, to the audience, you know, which do you think you operate from, right? And I found this interesting. Um, most people voted that they think that they operate from an assertive lens. And what I found to be interesting is a couple things. Firstly, I don't know if that's necessarily true if you were to look at the data and like the number one, like the highest rating was assertive. Because if the majority of people did operate from an assertive lens when communicating, the world would be so much more harmonious. Um, we would just operate uh, collectively. Things, <laughs> things would look a lot different if the majority was operating from an assertive lens. Um, so I found the data to maybe be skewed. But then I realized it would make sense for assertive people to be the ones who voted the most on the uh, poll right doesn't that check out like of course assertive people are being assertive and voting right on they're clearly and concisely sharing where they're at right that makes sense that an assertive person would take a vote or make you know make a vote in a poll that's just a quality of assertive people often it's less likely for like a passive person for example to want to vulnerably express themselves because that's the whole point um of when we're passive we tend to not speak our truth right so i was just like making these interesting observations another thing i observed was noticing that people that i personally knew who often operate out of very varying <laughs> degrees of communication styles that aren't necessarily assertive voted assertive and what that showed me is what that showed me is at the very least humans desire to be open and they desire to be clear and they desire to be concise and effective communicators and that alone is mm, encouraging and inspiring and beautiful and yeah so that that whole poll was like a really cool social experiment to observe now I want to wrap this up by giving you a handful of assertive phrases that can be adopted. So clearly the assertive style of communicating is the most effective. That's what we'll call it. It's the most effective way to communicate. And so if you are clearly if you're listening to this podcast you're someone who values communication right so if you're trying to become a badass communicator then you probably want to adopt some of the skills of, the, of assertive communication and so i'm going to share a handful of phrases that are from the assertive ones so what i'm going to do is i'm going to read off examples and then kind of dissect the example with you that's how we're going to go about this okay so, and then I just also want to share 
that you're gonna once you hear one of these phrases it's not like it's going to be like instantly embedded into who you know your mind you might you know you might have to listen to this little segment a couple times you might need to write them down um and another action step is to try these out you know try out a couple of these phrases and again it's going to be hard when you know we have such a habit mind right that's we just often react out of our habit responses of the mind that's why hearing these with me today and then writing them down is going to be super helpful you could even write them down on a sticky note and like place them somewhere that you can see excuse me so that you have like you're gonna need to like see these things um because it's just like a it's just like a foreign language the more that we hear others saying these things um the more we see them and the more we use them, that's how we become fluent in this language of communication. All right, so let's dive in. First phrase. This is mirroring. It's mirroring, but it's also reflecting back. So this is what we're doing in the, in the first phrase. Someone is talking to you and you're either genuinely like unclear and confused off of what they said or you're pretty sure you know what they said but you just want to be sure now when you are gaining this clarity not not only are you going to gain going to gain the clarity for yourself but oftentimes when people are venting they might not even be sure what they're experiencing or feeling just yet they might just be venting right so when you utilize these phrases that i'm about to share you are reflecting back what they're saying in such a way that they now get to hear themselves and pause and check in and say, oh yeah, that is exactly what I mean. Or they can say, mm, actually, that's not what I meant. This is what I mean. So not only are you getting clear, they also have the opportunity to get even more refined and more clear on what they're feeling and what they're trying to say. So it was a beautiful synergistic tool right when we're communicating here so this is what I'm gonna give you two examples so just to be clear you're saying ABC is that right or feel free to correct me but I think I'm hearing you say ABC is that right so this is this is a concise and engaged way to tell your listener hey I'm here with you but I really want to be sure that I understand you, right? Sometimes we just go with the flow and we're nodding our heads because oftentimes people might be passive or fill in the blank and they're afraid to ask questions or seem ignorant or out of it. But I promise simple phrases like, did I get that right? Or am I hearing this correctly? Is life-changing. So let's just create a, like, a scenario here. Um, just to be clear, you're saying your boss made you uncomfortable. Is that right? Or feel free to correct me, but I think I'm hearing you say that your boss made you feel uncomfortable. Is that right? Now, again, the person can either be like, honestly, yeah, that is what I'm saying. Or they can be like, no, not exactly. I'm more so saying blah, blah, blah. And they're probably going to have to take a pause because when they're hearing you say, 
oh, I'm, I'm hearing your, your boss made you uncomfortable, then, then they might be like, whoa, that's, hmm. Now they get to pause and, th- and like think on that. Now they can either be like, wow, that actually is what I was experiencing today. Damn. You reflecting it to them makes them feel validated and heard. Or they can be like, mm, that's actually not exactly what I meant. And then together or by themselves, y'all can dissect what they actually are experiencing and what they actually mean. In either instance, it's an opportunity for deepened clarity, deepened awareness, and deepened shared connection, and thus intimacy. All right, let's move on to the next example. This example is an expression. These are examples of... um, These next two examples are something you might say to help encourage a loved one in your life, a listener in your life to become even better listeners and even better communicators and even better partners and so on. This, these examples are basically feedback. Let's just put it that way. Okay, so here they are. I feel so blank when you blank. Again, this is a feedback. This is a, this is like a feedback example. I appreciate when you blank or I, you know, don't appreciate when you blank. So let's see. An example here would be like, I feel so seen when you ask me about how my rehearsal went, right? Um, or I appreciate when you ask me about how my rehearsal went. You are giving them positive reinforcement um, for something that they were doing for you. Or if it's a reverse of that, I feel so, you know, unseen when you don't check in with me about how my rehearsal went, right? In either example, you're offering your loved one a little insight into your internal landscape. And you're not being blamey. You're just naming how you feel. And so this is giving them a deepened opportunity to connect with you and to meet a need, right? This can even be, you know, it doesn't even have to be loved ones. This can even be strangers. Um, You know, like, this is a great phrase, for example, when... um, when battling things like microaggressions or like micro or macro racism and sexism and stuff like that so like hey I just want to name like I feel uncomfortable when you talk about women that way right um so again it's like this is like a really watered down version of uh MVC nonviolent communication I feel blank when a factual thing happened, right? Let's move on to the next one. This one, again, is a very, like, basic form of MVC, nonviolent communication. Naming a fact followed by a feeling. So when XYZ happened, I felt ABC. So, 
like we said earlier, when you didn't show up for dinner and then didn't answer the phone, I felt abandoned but also nervous for your safety. This offers the listener, again, a peek into your personal experience versus saying, you know, what the fuck? Why did you bail on me, fucking asshole? And uh, both, if we were to put those uh, two examples side by side, there's clearly a difference in energy, right? One is you sharing your feelings. One is an attack. Moving forward to the next one. This one revolves around check-ins, and check-ins are a tool that we will uh, tackle again later down the road. And check-ins are basically just, again, a communication method in which if you're feeling, and it doesn't have to be like conflict, but it's very beneficial for conflict as well. But it could just be like, I know, you know, when I'm in relationship, partnership, me and my partners kind of love doing check-ins there's just a super yummy way to reconnect after a long week or whatever or a long day even or you know you might do a check-in once a month to be like hey is there any way I can show up better for you like let me know what I've done things that I've done well this month things that I can improve upon you know stuff like that so this example is about checking in I'd love to check in whenever you are available when would be a good time super simple or hey are you available to chat on xyz matter if so let me know when works for you and we can figure out a time in this example we're giving them we're not demanding their time we're not demanding their energy we're giving them options right um i would love to check in but whenever you're available so let me know when is good, right? Um, so it's it's a more, you know, amicable, co-created check-in, you know? And it's not aggressive. It's not demanding. Um, it's a choice that you guys are making together that works for you both. You're stating a need and making a request versus a demand. All right, I have one more. This example is in reference to disagreeing. I feel like people, when they disagree, it very swiftly moves into um, aggression (laughs) and conflict, right? So um, these are two types of assertive, assertive examples that are crucial. Um, especially for people pleasers or passive communicators Um, because oftentimes alpha or aggressive communicators whether intentionally or not um, sometimes adopt abusive communication tendencies Um, again probably and almost always due to their home environment as children and this can show up as gaslighting projection playing the victim denying your shared reality and so on Um, But we will dive more into how to spot and speak to abusive communication styles later. But here's two um, useful phrases and respectful ways to assert your personal experience when you're disagreeing with someone. One, I disagree. My perspective is ABC. So instead of 
fighting with them, um, making them wrong, or just shutting down and being quiet, you could say, I disagree. My perspective is this, and then fill in the blank. Or you can say, hmm, we might remember this differently, but I do hear your perspective, right? So you're disagreeing with the way that they remembered it, but instead of making your experience small, making your experience silent, minimizing yourself because someone else is being aggressive, you can just say, we remember this differently, but I do hear your experience. Uh, I hear you. Ugh. I hear your experience or your perspective, either one. Um, your experience is valid, but we remember this differently. Now, I do want to name that sometimes it might be safer to speak in a passive communication style if assertion will result in aggression or, or violence. And there is no shame in self-preservation whenever necessary. So that's just something I want to touch on. With that being said, I also want to touch on saying no. So here's a, f like, I, I, saying no tends to be one of the hardest things for people when it comes to communication. So here's a few examples on how to say no. Or like turning turning someone down. Um, so this can be in, in context. It could be either like work-related, like someone asking you to work after your shift is done, um, or someone is hitting on you, or someone is asking you to meet up or do something with them. It could be any, any, any of these things, right? So here's some examples that I'm just going to go through rather quickly. I have another commitment. Sorry. That unfortunately doesn't work for me. I'm flattered, but no, thank you. I can't today, but maybe next time. I'm sorry, but I'm not available. I'm unable to fit this in right now. I'm going to have to say no to that. So yeah, very simple ways to say no. And at the same time, it's pretty fucking hard for people to say no. Most people want to please others. <laughs> simple as that. It's a challenge to say no sometimes. Um, so here, those are a few ways in which we can respectfully decline certain experiences. Now, the very last thing I want to touch on um, is... Oftentimes, I have experienced this and partaken in this as well. And it's been a fun little reframe and like, a, uh, you know, re, uh, um, you know, relearning, reintegrating. So oftentimes people will say, I'm sorry, when they actually could be saying and maybe even mean to be thanking the person. So some examples of that is, I'm sorry I'm late. Instead you could be saying, which is totally valid by the way, I'm not trying to say don't ever be apologetic, but here is a fun reframe that you can start to incorporate into your language style. Instead of I'm, uh, I'm sorry that I'm late, you can say thank you so much for waiting on me. Instead of saying I'm sorry I'm a burden, you can say Thank you for always showing up for me no matter what state I'm in. 
okay another one would be like i'm sorry for venting or i'm sorry for rambling instead you can say thank you for listening um yeah so i just would like to invite you another action step to pause when you hear yourself apologizing because oftentimes most of the time perhaps we're apologizing when instead we could just be expressing appreciation and gratitude for the way that people are showing up for them and it'll hit different for them it'll literally hit different for them and so it also gives them an opportunity to show up and thank you so for example when someone says to me yo thanks for listening then i have the opportunity to thank them for sharing because what a blessing and a gift um a pleasure uh to and a privilege to be able to hear someone speak so vulnerable vulnerably about their internal landscape and their truth right so it's this lovely little inner uh, synergistic flow we get to share together um yeah so consider incorporating a little bit more gratitude versus apologies when we're speaking and with that being said thank you all for showing up today thank you all for listening i'm really curious to know what communication styles you have learned and leaned into over the years it's going to be variant depending on how you know how you're raised it's going to be variant on how regulated you are in the moment what tools you have in your toolbox um, but here we are doing the work um, learning how to step back into our power step back into our truth and uh, communicate our needs more effectively um, and in later episodes i want to dive into again nonviolent communication i want to dive into attachment styles more deeply um, we're going to dive into more specific dynamics that we find ourselves in that require compassionate communication, such as parents, family, work, friends, sexual or romantic partners, as well as how we communicate with ourselves. We're going to explore things such as requesting needs, honoring boundaries, apology styles, ghosting, flakiness, engagement, active listening, offering support, conflict, repairs speaking your own truth. So yeah, I can't wait to continue this conversation with you. And I really appreciate you being here. See you next time, guys. Ciao.